Section 3 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 10, March 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Original Territory of the United States. The Negotiations with Great Britain. When the long struggle for independence was concluded, it was not to be doubted that the young republic would hold out with stubborn insistence for the recognition of its sovereignty over the territory east of the Mississippi. After the battles of the war which ended with Yorktown came the battles of diplomacy, which were to be fought with an equal skill and daring. All the glory and pride of colonial supremacy, which had animated Great Britain when the Treaty of Paris was made with the French, were now to be disputed by the colonies themselves. Instructed to claim the whole of the territory south of the St. Lawrence and east of the Mississippi, Franklin proposed, in addition, that England should voluntarily cede Canada in order that its lands might be sold to raise a fund for the compensation of Americans whose property had been destroyed to which Lord Grenville wittily rejoined that he could not perceive what motive England had for giving away a fourteenth province because she had already lost thirteen. Although the commissioners had been directed to observe the most perfect loyalty to France and to rely implicitly upon her counsels, we now know that the most moderate territorial pretensions of the United States had not one friend in Europe. Spain was represented at the French court by the Count de Aranda, a subtle diplomatist who bore no love to the young republic of the West. Fearing alike future encroachment upon the territory of Spain and the dangerous contagion of Republican principles, with which her American colonies had already become infected, he made preposterous claims for his country and pretended that the West was the territory of free and independent nations of Indians whose sovereignty over their soil should be considered inviolable. Sustained by such flimsy reasons, he proposed to shut the United States between the mountains and the sea, interposing a vast Indian territory between them and the Mississippi, and permitting Canada to extend south to the Ohio River. Bound to Spain by an ancient family alliance and a secret treaty which made the cession of Gibraltar back to Spain the price of peace with England, France proved the mere advocate of her ally and client. The Count de Vergennes, the able but evasive Minister of Foreign Affairs, had secretly instructed the envoys of France to the United States to oppose, by every while known to the art of diplomacy, the American acquisition of Canada, while yet pretending to favor American expansion. Raynaval reports in great glee, as we now read in his dispatches, how successfully he hoodwinked the president and certain members of Congress, beguiled by his craft and the sweet influence of their tobacco pipes, and won rapturous expressions of gratitude from the Spanish agent Morales. It is a part of the system of Spain, as it is also of France, writes Vergennes, to maintain the English in the possession of Nova Scotia and Canada. 
during the negotiations, he says the same to Luzerne and adds that, of course, this fashion of thinking should be an impenetrable secret for the Americans. We are not surprised, therefore, that the French court sustained the idea of Aranda and desired to crush the United States by massing to the westward the Spanish, the Indians, and the English, leaving the territory of the colonies only a narrow fringe pendant to the broad snowy mantle of the Dominion of Canada, torn from its own shoulders in 1763, and perhaps with the dim hope of its ultimate recovery amidst the strange international vicissitudes that attend defeat and victory. Regarding the fisheries as a great nursery for seamen and seeing in them a school for ultimate supremacy on the ocean, France joined England in seeking to deprive the colonies of their hereditary rights on the banks of Newfoundland and in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. The keen vision of Vergennes foreknew the future struggle for the Mississippi Valley and the possession of the Far West, and, faithful to Spain, he ridiculed the extravagance of the American views and pretensions, and called the demands of John Jay a delirium not to be seriously refuted. Happily for their country, the American commissioners saw a way to peace without sacrificing the interests of their people, and although threatened with a vote of censure in Congress for their independent action and disregard of French counsel, they were brave and wise enough to maintain every just demand. The Treaty of Versailles not only acknowledged the independence of the United States, secured the rights of the fisheries, and opened the free navigation of the Mississippi, but it confirmed substantially the American claims in the matter of boundaries and won a vast territorial empire for the United States. It was one of the greatest victories in the history of diplomacy and laid the foundation of the nation's greatness. The Great Lakes and the Mississippi became American highways, and the path to the Gulf of Mexico and the Pacific was opened to American enterprise. The peace was received with a burst of approbation in the United States, and the refrain was taken up. No pent-up Utica confines our powers. The whole unbound continent is ours. The completeness of the victory was resented by Spain, compelled to take Florida in place of Gibraltar, and regretted by France, which got nothing at all. The baffled Aranda wrote to his king, This federal republic is born a pygmy. A day will come when it will be a giant, even a colossus, formidable to these countries. Liberty of conscience, the facility of establishing a new population on immense lands, as well as the advantage of the new government, will draw thither farmers and artisans from all nations." Montmorin, the successor of Virgins, wrote to his envoy, It is not advisable for France to give to America all the stability of which she is capable. She will acquire a degree of power which she will be too well disposed to abuse. But that was written before the French Revolution and from the shadow of a tottering throne. 
from our great sister republic of today we would receive a different greeting and among its words of amity would be expressions of gratitude for the principles and example of the united states which have done so much toward the establishment of the french republic end of section three